The rooster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine. Here's your top five at five. This, this is the top five at five. Well, Manhattan's new district attorney may be recalled. It's all over his lax crime policies. That highly controversial issue of voting rights here in the Big Apple for non-citizens, it is headed to court. Russia insisting it has no plans to invade Ukraine, despite a buildup of some 100,000 military troops at its neighbor's border. A big medical first, a Maryland man has received a pig heart as an organ transplant. And convicted murderer Robert Durst, he has died in prison at the age of 78. Well, business leaders are so upset over new Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's soft-on-crime approach, they are actually considering recall efforts. Now, the Partnership for New York City, which is New York City's largest business advocacy organization, will meet with Bragg. Complaints have been pouring in to CEO Catherine Wilde's office from Bragg's memo, which he outlined his new policies last Monday. We said we were going to marry fairness and safety. And we laid out a specific plan. We put it on the website. We put it in print. So Bragg's memo last Monday ordered his staff not to seek a jail sentence except for things like major crimes, murders, and other extremely violent cases. The new DA and uh, says that some suspects, though, maybe need things like mental health or other services and not incarceration. But this lawsuit is uh, perhaps going to be litigated. Well, the uh, highly controversial issue of voting rights for non-citizens here in the Big Apple now headed, in fact, to court. A group of New York Republicans actually filed a lawsuit. It happened Monday. Now, this suit seeks to block New York City's new law, allowing some 800,000 non-citizens to vote in municipal elections only, not state or federal. So people in this suit include Assemblyman Michael Riley. He's a Republican from South Shore, Councilman David Carr, Republican from South Staten Island and Republican Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella. Now, here's Fasella on Cats at Night. We filed a lawsuit along with many other uh, elected officials and just citizens of New York State uh, seeking declaratory judgment to basically prevent the enactment of the law. Now, New York Republican Representative Nicole Maliotakis, who represents Staten Island and Brooklyn, called the new measure careless, claiming it dilutes perspectives of United States citizens. Now, this new law passed back in December, December 9th, actually, by the New York City Council, despite objections, was given the thumbs up by New York City's new mayor, Eric Adams, on Saturday. He had until Saturday to veto this, but he let it go. The suit filed in Staten Island Supreme Court now asked the judge to issue an injunction. Now, that injunction would prevent the city board of elections and the mayor of from implementing the law in any respect due to its unconstitutionality. 
Well, Russia has been talking with the U.S. in Geneva for the past two days, but Russia insisting it has absolutely no plans to invade its neighbor, Ukraine. During security talks, now U.S. Deputy Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman said Russia told her they do not intend to invade Ukraine. Russia claims its military buildup is a typical maneuvering. Now, here's Senator Tom Cotton commenting on the situation on Fox News. Uh, This crisis is in part of Joe Biden's own making by projecting weakness and incompetence. Moscow has moved some 100,000 military troops close to the Ukrainian border. Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Ryabkov again insisted that NATO should block Ukraine from joining that alliance. Ukraine declared its independence, you might remember, from the Soviet Union. Now, that was in 1991, and the politics of Ukraine take place in a framework of a semi-presidential representative democratic republic and in a multi-party system. Well, a medical first to let you know about a Maryland man has actually received a pig heart as an organ transplant. This happened at the University of Maryland Medical Center. Now, they say David Bennett is recovering and reportedly doing well. However, Bennett is being monitored for possible long-term effects of this surgery. The 57-year-old handyman was actually ineligible for a human heart donation for a bunch of reasons, including things like a regular heartbeat, failure to follow his doctor's advice, things like missing appointments and refusing to take his medicine. However, doctors say this medical first could one day help solve the chronic shortage of organ donations. A convicted murderer, Robert Durst, uh, this absolutely a sensational case, has died in prison at the age of 78. The New York former real estate tycoon was long suspected in the murder of his longtime friend Susan Berman and in the death of his wife Kathleen Durst. Durst uh, sentenced to life in prison back in October for the execution-style killing of Berman following trial out in California. Now, shortly thereafter, he was also indicted for the 1982 murder of his wife Kathleen. Officials with the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation confirming Durst's death. He died of natural causes early Monday while he was being treated at an outside hospital. Durst was last housed at the state jail facility in Stockton that provided long-term medical care for inmates and uh, no exact cause of death given just yet. That'll be determined by the San Joaquin County Coroner. 77 WABC Time Check 507. Time to check in with Joe Nolan with Traffic and Transit. All right, Deb, if you're traveling out onto the Deegan this morning on the northbound side, we've got ourselves a pretty big problem between 179th Street and Fordham Road. All lanes are shut down. There's an overturned tanker truck uh, that apparently and got a car involved in it as well. So, again, as you head northbound there, you're going to have some problems. That might actually be there uh, for quite a while now. If you're out onto the Garden State Parkway north of exit 159, they're salting the roadway. 45 is the posted speed limit up there. And alternate side of the street parking rules are in effect. Jersey Transit, I always mention this one because it's such a half a long wait, wait for the next train. The 625 out of Jersey Avenue has been canceled again this morning. They tell you to take the 652, but standing on a platform today for a half an hour is out of the question. So just be aware. 
aware of that. And like I said, alternate side is in effect. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And yeah, it's really cold out your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So a cold day to be out there waiting for your train or your bus. Sunshine today are high only 21, but the wind chill will make it feel between 0 and only 10 degrees. Mostly clear overnight, not much warmer. The low down to 17, the wind chill overnight between 10 and 15. Right now, we have a reading of about 18 degrees here in the Big Apple. And uh, another uh, former Trump staffer now writing a tell-all book. It's none other than Paul Manafort, former President Donald Trump's campaign chair. In this memoir, Manafort reportedly brands himself as a political prisoner, defends his work for a pro-Moscow political party, too. Manafort, you'll remember, pleaded guilty to conspiracy against the U.S. and conspiracy to obstruct justice. He ended up receiving a seven-year sentence on tax fraud and conspiracy charges. Manafort was first convicted in 2018, but then he got early release because of COVID-19. Here's former acting attorney general Sally Yates on MSNBC back in 2020. Specifics with respect to Paul Manafort's um, interactions with a Russian intelligence officer. You know, that ought to you know, give a chill down the spine to everyone that that was happening with the campaign manager of a presidential campaign and a Russian intelligence officer. And you might remember former President Trump pardoned his former campaign chair just weeks before leaving office. Well, yet another congressman is actually refusing to cooperate with that January 6th House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot. The latest is Ohio Republican Representative Jim Jordan. He says he will not not cooperate with that House committee probing the January 6th riot. Jordan was asked to disclose communications with ex-President Donald Trump. And he said on Sundays uh, that the request was far outside the bounds of any legitimate inquiry. Back in July, though, Jordan said he would comply if he was asked. I'm conversation with the president all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But if they said if they asked you to come, you would say, watch, sure. watch, 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 watch. Yeah, if they call me, I got nothing to hide. So what happens with Jordan now? Well, a panel spokesperson said the select committee will respond to this letter in more detail in the coming days and will consider appropriate next steps. Well, conservative and liberal female uh, figures have come out to different conclusions now on the validity of claims by Vice President Kamala Harris's reported belief that she's been treated worse by the press because of her race and gender. Here's Harris's claims last month on CBS's Face the Nation. Here's Harris. Is the fact that you're a woman and the fact that you are a minority in this office part of why there is such scrutiny? I'll leave that for others to deal with. I, you know, I, I have a job to do. All right. And a recent report by the New York Times suggested Harris has been privately complaining to her allies that the media's coverage of her would would that media coverage of her would be better, actually, if she were any of her 48 white male predecessors. Here's New York Post columnist Miranda Devine on this. She's all about trivia and frivolity, and she never wants to talk about anything serious like the border. No plan to visit. No plan to fix it. No, it's all about her decor. 
And also a recent poll gives the vice president Harris just a 28 percent approval rating in recent weeks. Seven high profile members of her own staff have announced their departures. Allegations have surfaced of a toxic work environment and that Harris is a bully to her own staff. More scandal related to Harris this morning. According to resurfaced statements and tweets, her newly appointed communications director, Jamal Simmons, insisted more than once that Bush 43's first presidential election victory was illegitimate. Simmons' insistence that the 2000 election was stolen relates to the Biden administration's furious response to former President Donald Trump's insistence that widespread voter fraud cost him a second term. The White House and many top Democrats have labeled this the big lie. In 2000, you remember Bush narrowly defeated then-Vice President Al Gore. The race is best remembered, of course, for the controversial attempt by the Gore campaign to force ballot recounts in heavily Democratic areas of Florida. The Supreme Court eventually halted a partial recount ordered by the Florida Supreme Court in the Bush versus Gore decision that December. Bush, of course, ultimately declared the winner of Florida's 25 electoral college votes by just 537 votes. Republicans are on the move. A promise from House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Now, McCarthy says that he plans to remove three high-profile Democrats from their committee positions if Republicans take back the chamber this coming November in the 2022 midterm elections. Now, in an interview with Breitbart, McCarthy vowed to kick Chairman Adam Schiff and Representative Eric Slawell off the House Intelligence Committee. Now, he also plans to remove Representative Ilhan Omar, of course, a member of the squad, from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. The Democrats have created a new thing where they're picking and choosing who could be on committee. Never in the history have you had the majority tell the minority who could be on committee. But this new standard, um, which these Democrats have voted for, if Eric Swalwell cannot get a security clearance in the private sector. There's no reason why he should be given one to be on Intel or Homeland Security. So Sowell has come under scrutiny for his connections with an alleged Chinese spy. Now, that led Republicans to unsuccessfully attempt to remove him from the Intelligence Committee last year. Omar, meanwhile, has repeatedly been criticized for remarks deemed anti-American and anti-Semitic. Most recently, she was forced to take back a tweet in which she stated that the U.S., Israel, Hamas, and the Taliban have all committed unthinkable atrocities. Republican lawmakers, too, have repeatedly taken aim at Schiff for his handling of the Russia investigation, specifically his push to investigate the now infamous 2016 Steele dossier about Trump's alleged ties with Russia. WABC Time Check is 5.15 and lots of news in the sports world. Here's Justin Ellick. Thanks, Deb. What is it today? Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday morning. How almost hump day. It's almost. going a little slower than last week, I will tell you that. You much. must have stayed up to watch the NCAA championship. I watched night, most right? of it. I watched right. most of it. My, my job description entails that I'd be here at an early hour. So I, uh, you know, I had to hit the hay at a certain point in time. But it was a good game. I am Justin Ellick here uh, with your early news sports update. After 41 years, the wait is finally over for Georgia fans. The Bulldogs have their national championship after a 33-18 to win over Alabama in last night's game. With just under a minute remaining in the game, Saban's Crimson Tide were driving with hopes of another last-minute walk-off win. Enter Georgia cornerback Kelly Ringo, who leapt in the air to intercept Alabama quarterback and 
Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young with the game on the line. Ringle wasn't done as he tucked and ran it all the way home to Georgia for a game-sealing pick six. Here's what it sounded like in Indianapolis. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Last night, serving a basketball, saw the Knicks and Nets both back in action. Let's start with the good news over at MSG, where the Knicks cruised past the San Antonio Spurs by a score of 111-96. R.J. Barrett continued to shine for the orange and blue, dropping 31 points on 12 of 20 shooting. The win improved the Knicks' record to 20-21 and on the season, as they still can't seem to nudge themselves up from that 11 spot in the Eastern Conference standings. They'll take the night off tonight and will host the Dallas Mavericks at home tomorrow. Now for the bad news as the Nets fell last night to the Trailblazers 114-108. to Despite Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving combining for 50 points, the Nets were just not able to shake a bad loss to a bad team on the road. They'll leave Portland at 25-14 and overall and still sit two games back of the Chicago Bulls for that top spot in the Eastern Conference. After a travel day today and route to Chicago, the Nets will try and regroup when they face the Bulls tomorrow night. Let's talk some hockey now as well as the Rangers were in action last night. They're the only uh, local team in action last night. The Blue Shirts weren't able to cool down the surging Kings as they uh, surrendered a 3-1 loss in Los Angeles. They'll remain on the road and head to San Jose next where they'll battle the Sharks on Thursday night. That's your early news sports update, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Justin. I'm waiting in the wings, Joe Nolan, with your traffic report. All right, Deb, this is a big deal out in the Deegan northbound. There's an overturned tanker truck. Apparently, it's right uh, with a vehicle as well. One vehicle car, looks like, as it traveled northbound on the Deegan. So all lanes are closed from 179th Street on up to Fordham Road, and that will continue. Now, also, eastbound Jackie Robinson, now at Union Turnpike, there is a collision. We have a couple of trains here and there on Jersey Transit and on the Long Island Railroad or late. But other than that, we're good. And all on its side of the street, parking rules and regulations, once again today, are going to be in effect. I'm Joe Nolan with traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And yeah, really cold day for first responders to be out there uh, dealing with any of these traffic situations. As a matter of fact, we have the coldest temperatures in three years now. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today are high 21, but the wind chill will make it feel like zero to 10. Mostly clear overnight, the low 17, just in the high teens right now. So bundle up. Time for business report with Frank Diaz. Whoops, good morning, Deb. The U.S. stock futures were flat today after the major averages extended declines until the Nasdaq rallied to snap a four-day losing streak. Futures tied to the Dow Jones fell about four points or a point zero one percent. S&P futures edged about 0.06% higher, and Nasdaq 100 futures rose point, just under 0.2%. Bitcoin dipped below $40,000 for the first time since September, putting it on pace for its worst start to a year since the start of crypto. The original cryptocurrency bounced off the lows of the day after it fell as much as 6% in trading, bringing its loss this year to about 14%. It slumped more than 40% since reaching an all-time high of almost 69,000 in November. Bitcoin created in the wake of the 2008 global financial crisis by an anonymous individual or group that went by Satoshi Nakamoto has gained almost 500% since the end of 2019. So, you know, crypto, a little bit volatile as usual, but maybe think about 
holding off for now. Well, Richard Clarita, the vice chair of the Federal Reserve, who has come under fire for making trades during the financial crisis brought on by the pandemic, announced Monday that he's going to resign from the board effective Friday. The announcement, which came two weeks before his resignation was to go into effect, came in the form of a letter that Clarita sent to President Biden in February 2020. Clarita made stock trades just as Fed was preparing to step in and rescue the economy in the early stages of the coronavirus pandemic, according to the New York Times. Clarita recently amended disclosure forms to indicate that he brought shares in an investment fund that holds stocks on February 27th, even though he bought into the same fund just three days earlier. Moving in and out of stock options came as the markets were tanking due to the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. All right. Thanks, Frank. More news to tell you about this Tuesday morning, John Katsimatidis, owner and operator of 77 WABC, determined to find the man who killed a teenager up in the Bronx. And first, your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, our high 21. The wind chill will make it feel like zero to 10 below. So, yeah, our 77 WABC owner determined to find the killer of a teenager this girl, just 19 years old, Crystal Bayron Nieves, is that Burger King worker senselessly killed up in Harlem. This happened early Sunday morning, about one in the morning, as this teen worked her shift at the fast food establishment. An armed gunman shot her in her torso. She later died at a hospital, this gunman making off with only 100 bucks. I will offer a $10,000 reward for the capture and conviction of, of that that low that, life. That low life that, 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 that shot her. All right. So that $10,000 reward being offered by 77 WABC owner John Katsimatidis is on top of a $3,500 reward being offered by Crime Stoppers. 77 WABC's Lydia Serrani goes in-depth on this story with New York Post crime reporter Tina Moore. And this is Lydia Serrani, and on the line with me right now is New York Post Police Bureau Chief Tina Moore. On Cats at Night last night, John Katzmatidis announced a $10,000 reward for the arrest and any information to the capture of that low-life killer of that 19-year-old girl that was killed at the Burger King in Harlem early Sunday morning. What do you know more about that case? Because right now, that suspect, he's still out on the loose. Yeah, he's in the wind, and she'd only been working at that restaurant for three weeks. Uh, she was working a night shift, and she told her mom that she was afraid. She didn't want to work the night shift anymore. She asked the manager if she could get a day shift instead because there were a lot of men who hung out outside the store, outside the restaurant in Harlem that night. And so she was trying to get off the shift, and her mom said, well, you know, we need to get you need to get a better life. You have to work. Um, and so she went to work, and now her mom feels horrible about that. Oh, my God. And I, I haven't... I hate to say this, but I bet that guy has a long rap sheet. And we have no idea who he is. He's completely covered up. He's completely covered up. He has a black face mask on, a black hoodie. He's got gloves on. Um, they, they put a – the NYPD put out pictures of him uh, pointing the gun at the cashier. Uh, and it just looks impossible to try to make him out from, from what they have at this point anyway. Do you think the $10,000 reward that John Katzmatidi is offering will help? I hope so. That's a lot more than what was out there already. So far, there's a $3,000 Crime Stoppers Award, I believe, or $3,500 Crime Stoppers Award. Somebody will have heard him bragging about it. Maybe he talked about it. I mean, I think that's always the hope. What's the sense of what police are feeling now? Your office is right there, police headquarters. What are they saying? Mm-hmm. I think police feel uh, they're wondering if they should even make arrests in some cases. I hate to say it, but that's what I'm hearing. 
Uh, and I think their their bosses are telling them, no, you have to keep making arrests. But but they're just they feel sort of defeated. And you arrest somebody, you take him to court, you go to his arraignment, and the next thing you know, he's out and you're arresting him again. So it's just a this cycle that's very frustrating to them. You're the number one crime reporter in New York City. What's your sense with this new initiative by D.A. Bragg? Will we see more crime? I would never call myself number one, but um, let me just experience my experience here in the city. This is really the worst I've seen it. I mean, when I when I came on covering the NYPD 16 years ago, um, you know, we were they were trying to push homicides down below a certain level, and it's going back up again now. And so I think the people are nervous. Police are nervous. Well, thank you so much, uh, Tina Moore, New York Post Police Bureau Chief, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. And again, this is Lydia Serrani reporting for 77 WABC Early News. All right. Thanks, Lydia. And thanks, Tina. So that $10,000 reward being offered by 77 WABC owner John Katsimatidis, we've got that $3,500 reward being offered by Crime Stoppers. Anybody out there with information as to contact Crime Stoppers or the NYPD. Meanwhile, the other big story in New York, the Bronx building, where at least 17 people died now in that massive blaze Sunday was cited for more than two dozen violations and complaints, that despite $25 million in state loans for repairs. Now, records reviewed by the New York Post show the citations, including for vermin infestation and faulty elevators, came after the 2013 infusion of state cash and before the building was actually sold to an investment group two years ago. So this 19-story building, 120 units, had been hit with complaints and violations since 2014. Here's FDNY Commissioner Daniel Nigro. 32 people were transported to hospitals in life-threatening conditions. That is unprecedented in our city. The last time we had a loss of life that may be this horrific was at Happy Land Fire, which was over 30 years ago. All right. So Commissioner Nigro says the number of people who died is now revised from 19 to 17, and that's because of an error of double count originally. At least 44 people were hurt in this devastating fire. 13 are reportedly just clinging to life at New York City hospitals. Part of this complex was initially known as Twin Parks. The building went up in 1972, all part of an urban renewal project constructed by then State Urban Development Corporation officials, the present-day Empire State Development Corporation. So this building was owned by the Camabees International Group, whose principal is real estate mogul Ruben Schron. It was sold to a group of three investor groups back in December 2019. And more on the tragic fire, an online fundraising campaign now has raised more than $180,000 for victims of this horrific fire. The GoFundMe fundraiser, organized by Solemn Dramath, he's with the Gambian Youth Organization, which is a local charity. Dramath wrote in an Instagram post that several of its members were residents of that 19-story high-rise in the Tremont section of the Bronx. So as of this morning, just over $727,000 had been donated by nearly 15,000 people, shattering the group's original $20,000 goal. WABC Time Check 527, and that's time for a traffic update with Joe Dolan. All right, Deb, in the Bronx, northbound on the Deegan, all lanes remain closed, 179th Street up to Fordham Road with that overturned tractor trailer. 
One car accident still in the process of being straightened out. And again, that's a tanker truck that flipped over. If you're eastbound on the Jackie Robinson at Union Turnpike, look for a crash. Also, on the Garden State Parkway, north of uh, Route 80, you've got a salting operation going on. Apparently, there were some snow squalls around earlier on. Transit authority delays on the N, the Q, the R, that with switching trouble. And alternate side of the street parking rules again today are in effect. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center calling for the coldest temperatures we've seen here in the city in some three years. Sunshine today, a high of 21. The wind chill will make it feel between 0 and 10 degrees. Mostly clear overnight, the low around 17. Right now in the upper teens, a bundle up. Well, potential Republican challengers for the governor's seat here in New York on Monday turned up the heat on Democratic New York Governor Kathy Hochul to oust Manhattan's new district attorney, Alvin Bragg, over his lax policies on crime. They've been calling his progressive prosecution policies crazy and her silence amid this whole big controversy cowardly here's andrew giuliani he held a press conference outside hochel's manhattan office yesterday i believe in looking at the new york state constitution specifically article 8 section 13b that alvin bragg has violated his oath of office kathy Ockel has the right to remove a district attorney if he will choose not to prosecute those crimes So Brad wants jail time for only the most serious offenses, according to his memo to staff a week ago Monday. U.S. Representative Lee Zeldin of Long Island said that if Bragg wanted to ignore the law, he should have run for a position responsible for enforcing the law. Now, under Article 13 of the state public officer's law, New York's Governor Kathy Hochul does, in fact, have the power to remove a district attorney, a sheriff or county clerk. That after providing a copy of the charges against him or her and an opportunity of being heard in his or her own defense. All right, Deborah Valentine with the 77 WABC Early News. More news, weather, traffic, sports, business after the break. Entertaining and informative. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Well, welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine. Here's your top five at 530. It's the top five at 530. Manhattan's new district attorney, he may be recalled over his lax crime policies. A highly controversial issue here in New York City of voting rights for non-citizens is headed to court. Russia insisting it has absolutely no plans to invade Ukraine, despite a buildup of 100,000 military troops at its neighbor's border. And a medical first, a Maryland man has received a pig heart as an organ transplant. And convicted murderer Robert Durst has died in prison at the age of 78. Business leaders here in New York City so upset over new Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's soft on crime approach. They are considering recall efforts. The Partnership for New York City, which is the city's largest business advocacy organization, says it will meet with the new DA Bragg. Complaints poured into CEO Catherine Wilde's office. From after uh, Bragg issued this memo a week ago Monday, outlining his new lax policies. We said we were going to marry fairness and safety. And we laid out a specific plan. We put it on the website. We put it in print. 
All right. So Bragg's memo issued a week ago um, on Monday ordered his staff not to seek a jail sentence except for murders and other extremely violent cases. He did defend his decision over the weekend. The new DA said over the weekend that some suspects may need things like mental health or other services and not incarceration. The highly controversial issue of voting rights for non-citizens in New York City now headed to court. It may come as no surprise to many. A group of New York Republicans filed a lawsuit on Monday. So this lawsuit seeks to block New York City's new voting law, which allows some 800,000 non-citizens to vote in municipal elections, but not state or federal. So people in this lawsuit filed Monday include Assemblyman Michael Riley. He's a Republican from South Shore. Councilman David Carr, he's a Republican out of Staten Island, and Republican Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella. Here's Fasella on Cats at Night. We filed a lawsuit along with many other uh, elected officials and just citizens of New York State uh, seeking declaratory judgment to basically prevent the enactment of the law. And New York Republican Representative Nicole Maliotakis, who represents Staten Island and Brooklyn, called the new measure careless. Now, Maliotakis claims it dilutes perspectives of U.S. citizens as well. So this new law was passed December 9th by the New York City Council. Uh, Former Mayor de Blasio never signed it into law. He let it sit until uh, he exited office on December 31st. So as of Saturday... New York City's new mayor, Eric Adams, had till Saturday to veto it. He decided not to. And uh, so it was then uh, put into law. The suit filed in Staten Island Supreme Court now asked the judge actually to issue an injunction. That injunction would prevent the city's board of elections and the new mayor from implementing this law in any respect due to its claims of being unconstitutional. Well, Russia has been meeting with U.S. officials in Geneva over the past two days. Russia now insisting it has absolutely no plans to invade its neighbor, Ukraine. U.S. Deputy Deputy, uh, Secretary of State is Wendy Sherman. Now, she said Russia told her they do not intend to invade Ukraine. Russia claims its military buildup, though, is typical maneuvering. Here's Senator Tom Cotton weighing in, commenting on the situation on Fox News. Uh, This crisis is in part of Joe Biden's own making by projecting weakness and incompetence. All right. Moscow has moved some 100,000 troops, though, close to the Ukrainian border. Russia's deputy foreign minister, Sergei Ryabkov, again insisted that NATO should block Ukraine from joining the alliance. Russia fears that Ukraine is going to join the NATO alliance. Ukraine declared its independence from the Soviet Union back in 1991. Pretty much the politics of Ukraine take place in a framework of a semi-presidential representative democratic republic and of a multi-party system. Well, medical first to tell you about this morning during the 77 WABC Early News. It involves a man from Maryland. He has actually received a pig heart as an organ transplant. Doctors at the University of Maryland Medical Center did the surgery. Now, they say this man, his name is David Bennett, is actually recovering, doing pretty well. However, Bennett is being monitored for possible long-term side effects of receiving this pig heart. 
This guy's 57 years old. He's a handyman by trade and actually became ineligible for a human heart donation for a bunch of reasons. A regular heartbeat, failure to follow his doctor's advice, things like missing appointments and refusing to take his medicine. However, doctors now say this medical first could wind up one day helping solve the chronic shortage of organ donations. A convicted murderer, Robert Durst, has died in prison at the age of 78. The former New York real estate tycoon was long suspected in the murder of his longtime friend Susan Berman and in the death of his wife, Kathleen Durst. Durst was sentenced to life in prison back in October in California for the execution-style killing of Berman. Shortly thereafter, he was also indicted in the 1982 murder of his wife, Kathleen Durst. So uh, no a cause of death given just yet. Durst died early Monday morning. The San Joaquin County Coroner will officially determine Durst's cause of death. All right, 77 WABC Time Check 537. Time for a look at the roads and the rails with Joe Nolan. <laughs> Again, on the northbound side, where all lanes are closed on 179th Street, you're backed up into the 140s now. That overturned tanker truck is still there, still in the process of being cleared up and out of the way. We're also looking at delays building coming inbound on the LIE now as you start to get through Queens Boulevard. The usual stuff there. Jackie Robinson eastbound right at Union Turnpike. There was an accident. It looks like that might be out of the way, though. Both ways on the Garden State Parkway. Again, that caution north of 159, which is Route 80. That salting operation going on. A couple of snow, uh, snow squalls went through North Jersey on the overnight. Also around the Tappan Sea Bridge, too. But they have uh, taken care of it up there. And delays on the end. The Q, the R, switch trouble, and alternate side of the street parking. Rules and regulations again today are in effect. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Joe. We've got the coldest temperatures in some three years here in the Big Apple. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. It will be a sunny day today, but our high only 21 degrees. The wind chill will make it feel between 0 and 10 degrees. A mostly clear overnight, the low down to 17, so bundled up. Oh, war of words. It's all over voting rights legislation between U.S. Senate Republican Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and Democratic Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. So, McConnell has accused the left of spreading a big lie about what he says is an evil anti-voting conspiracy as Democrats try to pass voting rights legislation. Now, Republicans are vowing a scorched earth policy if Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer of New York tries to eliminate the filibuster in order to advance voting rights legislation. Now, Republicans say this will federalize elections that should be handled by the states. As part of that effort, McConnell's office sent out a memo to reporters over the weekend slamming Democrats. Here's McConnell. The Senate Democratic leaders are trying to use a big lie to bully and berate their own members into breaking their word, breaking the rules, and breaking the Senate. All right, as you can imagine, Schumer has responded to this. On Monday, Schumer accused McConnell of gaslighting America. Senate Republicans are so stung by our arguments about voter fraud and the big lie that the Republican leader has actually tried to argue that it's actually Democrats pushing a big lie when we warn about voter suppression. The threats of voter suppression are not false. They are dangerous. And Schumer has vowed to pass voting rights legislation by January 17th, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, making this a 
critical week for Democrats. And more on that deadline. Democrats are barreling towards passing the major legislation that could be scuttled by moderate Democratic Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Cinema of Arizona. Now, President Biden is expected to lead the push for this election legislation later today in a speech in Georgia. Georgia passed one of the most controversial state election laws of 2021. Now, Manchin and Cinema are expected to support some form of legislation striking at what Schumer said are Republican-backed state laws to suppress the vote. Every single lover of democracy across America, especially those of us in this chamber, should take heart of the president's message and ask ourselves, what can we do to protect free and fair elections in this country? The Senate, I believe, stands ready to follow through on the president's call. So the centrist senators, Manchin and Cinema, are staunch supporters of the filibuster. It requires 60 votes for the chamber to proceed on most bills. The White House and President Biden supports the potential change, though, to the filibuster law. A House Majority Whip James Clyburn of South Carolina slammed Manchin over the weekend for insisting that any vote to change Senate rules and force through federal election reform must be bipartisan. In a second major blow to Democrats last week, Manchin indicated once again that he would oppose eliminating the Senate's 60-vote legislative filibuster along party lines, on top of also, of course, opposing President Biden's $1.7 trillion Build Back Better agenda. So the West Virginian also said he would not be open to any rules changes without Republican involvement. The the the. the the whole stronghold of our democracy, the bedrock of our democracy, is an open, fair, and secured election. People have to know the basic, at the end of the day, when the count's made, it's accurate, and either you've won or I've won. However it's done, it's supposed to be an orderly transfer. Now, Jim Clyburn told CNN that Manchin's statements had caused him great pain, but remained hopeful of getting the votes needed. Joe Manchin has all the cover he needs to now step away and do what we need done. And that is provide the 49th vote. And I hope uh, that um, the 50th vote will come along. All right. And President Biden, who previously opposed eliminating the filibuster, has recently backed the move. He speaks today in Georgia. A tragic, tragic case out in California. This uh, reminds us here of the tragedy up in Harlem in which a worker, a 19-year-old, was shot and killed over the weekend uh, working uh at a fast food establishment for only 100 bucks, a reward being offered by 77 WABC owner John Katsimatidis in that case of $10,000 and also a $3,500 reward being offered by crime stuffers. So the similar case, a Taco Bell worker shot and killed over only 20 bucks, over a $20 counterfeit bill. And uh, police say that the victim was 41-year-old Alejandro Garcia was shot to death Saturday after his son refused to accept a fake $20 bill 
at the drive-through window in California at this Taco Bell. It happened at a Taco Bell south of Los Angeles. So the son tried to shut the window at the drive-through, but the bullet fatally hit his 41-year-old father. So that shocking case just days after that 19-year-old was gunned down during an armed robbery while working her shift at a Harlem Burger King with the killer making off with only 100 bucks. And uh, 77 WABC owner John Katsimatidis offering a $10,000 reward for information leading to the gunman in that Burger King killing gunman in both of these fatal shootings are on the run. Anybody who does know anything about that murder at that Harlem Burger King is asked to either contact Crime Stoppers or the NYPD. All right, WABC time check coming up on 545, and we've got Justin Ellick on sports. Yes, we do, Deb. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update after 41 years. The wait is finally over for Georgia fans. The Bulldogs have their national championship after a 33-18 win over Alabama in last night's national championship game with just under a minute remaining in the game. Saban's Crimson Tide were driving with hopes of another last-minute walk-off win and to Georgia cornerback. Kelly Ringo, who leapt in the air to intercept a uh, to intercept Alabama quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young with the game on the line. Ringo wasn't done, though, as he tucked and ran it all the way home to Georgia for a game-sealing pick six. Here's what it sounded like in Indianapolis. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown, and intercepted. Kelly Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. ESPN's Chris Fowler on the call. Last night, serving a basketball saw the Knicks and Nets both back in action. Let's start with the good news over at MSG, where the Knicks cruised past the San Antonio Spurs by a score of 111-96. R.J. Barrett continued to shine for the Orange and Blue, dropping 31 points on 12-20 shooting. The win improved the Knicks' record to 20-21 and on the season, as they still can't seem to nudge themselves up from that 11th spot in the Eastern Conference standings. They'll take the night off tonight and will host the Dallas Mavericks at home tomorrow. Now for the bad news, as the Nets fell last night to the Trailblazers, 114-108. to Despite Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving combining for 50 points, the Nets were just not able to shake a bad loss to a bad team on the road. They'll leave Portland at 25-14 and overall and still sit two games back of the Chicago Bulls for that top spot in the Eastern Conference. After a travel day today and route to Chicago, the Nets will try and regroup when they face the Bulls tomorrow night. That should be an interesting matchup. Let's talk some hockey now as just the Rangers were in action last night. The Blue Shirts weren't able to cool down the surging Kings as they surrendered a 3-1 loss in Los Angeles. They'll remain on the road and head to San Jose next where they will battle the Sharks on Thursday night. That's your early news sports update, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Well, Justin, I guess we can eat our words this morning because both you and I predicted yesterday morning here on the early news that uh, Georgia would lose. Yeah, listen, I mean, uh, it, it was, it's it's tough to ever bet against Alabama and Nick Saban. So uh, it, it sounded like a safe bet. It felt like a safe bet at the time, but clearly that's why you play the game, Deb. All right, congratulations to the Bulldogs, and let's head over to traffic with Joe Nolan. Deegan northbound, all lanes remain closed between 179th Street and Fordham Road. Again, that overturned tractor-trailer, one-car accident. It's still in the process of being cleared up and out of the way, and again, that may be there for a while. Uh, You're backed up now down into the 140s. Now, if you're on the eastbound side of the Jackie Robinson coming into the area of the Union Turnpike, there's a collision also. As you get out onto the subways, we still have these delays on the N, the Q, and the R. Again, those switch troubles. Mass transit, other than that, though, running right on or close to schedule. And
and alternate side of the street parking rules and regulations once again today are in effect. So we're off to a, a decent start. You stay off the dig and you should be fine. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right. And if you're headed out to the uh, train or the subway, your car, whatever, expected to be the coldest temperatures in three years. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, the high 21. The, the wind chill, 0 to 10 above. Mostly clear tonight. The low down to 17. Time for your business report with Frank Diaz. Good morning, Deb. Well, U.S. stock futures are flat this morning after the major averages extended declines until the Nasdaq rallied to slap a four-day losing streak. Futures tied to the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell about four points. S&P futures edged a little bit over 0.05% higher, and Nasdaq 100 futures rose just under 0.2%. Bitcoin dipped below $40,000 for the first time since September, putting it on pace for its worst start to a year since the start of crypto. The original cryptocurrency bounced off the lows of the day after falling as much as 6% in trading, bringing its loss to the year to about 14%. It's sunk more than 40% since reaching an all-time high of almost 69000 in early November. Bitcoin created in the wake of the 2008 a global financial crisis by an anonymous individual or group that went by Satoshi Nakamoto still gained almost 500% since the end of 2019. So a little bit of volatility there with uh, uh, cryptocurrency in general. Well, Richard Clarida, the vice chair of the Federal Reserve, who has come under fire for making trades during the financial crisis, brought on by the pandemic, announced Monday that he's going to resign from the board effective on Friday. The announcement, which came two weeks before his resignation, was to go into effect, came in the form of a letter that Clarida sent to President Biden. In February 2020, Clarida made stock trades just as the Fed was preparing to step in and rescue the economy in the early stages of the coronavirus pandemic. According to the New York Times, Clarita recently amended disclosure forms to indicate that he bought shares to an investment fund that holds stocks on February 27th, even though he bought into the same fund just three days earlier. The move in and out of stock options came as the markets were tanking due to the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. All right. Thanks, Frank. So a short time ago, we were uh, telling you about that 41-year-old father who was killed at a fast food restaurant, a Taco Bell out in Los Angeles, all over a $20 counterfeit bill. We want you to hear from 77 WABC owner John Katsimatidis, owner and operator of 77 WABC. He is determined that the man who killed 19-year-old Crystal Bayron Nieves be found. He's offering a $10,000 reward. Now, Nieves is the Burger King worker, senselessly killed in Harlem early Sunday morning about 1 a.m. as she worked her shift at the fast food establishment. The armed gunman who shot Nieves in her torso made off with only a 100 bucks. I will offer a $10,000 reward for the capture and conviction of, of that, that low that, life that, low life that, 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 that shot her. her. All right, so that's on top of a $3,500 reward already being offered by Crime Stoppers. Anybody who has any information about this is asked to do one of two things, either contact the NYPD or Crime Stoppers. All right, that Bronx building where at least 17 people died in that massive blaze Sunday was cited for more than two dozen violations and complaints, despite $25 million in state loans for repairs. 
Now, records reviewed by the New York Post show the citations, including for vermin infestation and faulty elevators, came after the 2013 infusion of state cash, $25 million, and before the building was sold to an investment group two years ago. So this 19-story, 120-unit building had been hit with complaints and violations since 2014. Here's FDNY Commissioner Daniel Nigro. 32 people were transported to hospitals in life-threatening condition. That is unprecedented in our city. The last time we had a loss of life that may be this horrific was at Happy Land Fire, which was over 30 years ago. All right, Commissioner Nigro also says the number of people who died is revised now from 19 to 17, and that's because of an erroneous double count originally. At least 44 people were hurt as well, 13 reportedly clinging to life at New York City area hospitals. So part of the uh, complex was initially known as Twin Parks. The building actually went up in 1972, all part of an urban renewal project constructed by the State Urban Development Corporation, which is now the Empire State Development Corps. The building was owned by Camabees International Group, whose principal is real estate mogul Ruben Schron. It was then sold to a group of three investor groups in December 2019. Now, part of what uh, the FDNY Fire Commissioner Nigro has also said is that an automatic door at that building, which was supposed, uh, supposed to automatically close, did not. And just why that did not close, which would have prevented the spread of fire and smoke, is under investigation. More on the tragic fire. So there's an online fundraising campaign that has now raised more than $180,000 for the victims of that horrific fire. This GoFundMe fundraiser organized by Solemn Dramath of the Gambian Youth Organization, which is a local charity. And Dramath wrote in an Instagram post that several of its members were actually also residents of that 19-story high-rise building in the Tremont area of the Bronx. So... As of this morning, we checked, just over 727,000 had been donated by nearly 15,000 people, shattering the group's original $20,000 goal. And officials said that fire caused by, of course, a faulty or a malfunction in a space heater in a duplex apartment spreading from the second and third floors. And uh, the fire commissioner says under investigation is why, of course, that automatic door that was supposed to close did not. Well, potential Republican challengers for the governor's seat here in New York on Monday, turning up the heat on Democratic New York Governor Kathy Hochul to oust Manhattan's new district attorney, Alvin Bragg. And they've been calling his progressive prosecution policies crazy and her silence amid this big controversy cowardly. Here's Andrew Giuliani. He held a press conference outside of Hochul's Manhattan office yesterday. I believe in looking at the New York State Constitution, specifically Article 8, Section 13B, that Alvin Bragg has violated his oath of office. Kathy Opel has the right to remove a district attorney if he will choose not to prosecute those crimes. So what's happening is that Bragg wants jail time for only the most serious offenses, according to his memo issued a week ago Monday. U.S. Representative Lee Zeldin from Long Island said that if Brad wanted to ignore the law, he should have run for a position responsible for enforcing the law. Now, under Article 13 of the state public officer's law, Governor Hochul actually has the power to remove a district attorney, a sheriff, or a county clerk. 
that after providing a copy of the charges against him or her and an opportunity of being heard in his or her own defense. Well, there's been a sharp decline in the number of COVID-19 cases in the United States, but these latest figures may be a bit misleading. Now, on Sunday, the United States recorded 305,100 new COVID-19 cases. And that certainly is a dramatic decline from over 900,000 new cases on Friday. However, officials do caution that the decline is blamed on weekend data only and not the full picture, perhaps. So about uh, 330 deaths were recorded, but that sharp drop, too, blamed on fewer health authorities reporting their data rather than a dramatic improvement. Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel is a former member of President Joe Biden's transition COVID advisory board. Now, he predicted on Sunday, though, that COVID will soon become an endemic. Here's Emanuel on Meet the Press. If you've got 1,500 people a day dying uh, from this disease, it's still a pandemic and Omicron is spreading. We think that over the course of 2022, we will get to an endemic stage. And the plan is... Uh, or the proposal is we need a strategic plan for that that covers vaccines. Now, models do predict that endemic as well within the coming months. Now, on Sunday, and we told you about it here on the 77 WABC Early News, New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez AOC became the latest high-profile politician to confirm a COVID-19 infection after she visited a drag bar in maskless Florida. She is quarantined and vaxxed and boosted, said to be doing okay. All right, 77 WABC time check, 557 on the dot. Time for a traffic report with Joe Nolan. All right, Deb, we wrap up the hour with a new problem. This on the path between Journal Square and 33rd, apparently a stalled train along the way. That's the reason for that. We still have delays on the end, the Q, and the R. Now, on the Garden State Parkway, that salting operation should just about be over. Eastbound Jackie Robinson at Union Turnpike, there was an accident. And the Deegan northbound still has that complete shutdown, that overturned tanker truck, one-car accident up around the area of 179th Street. and alternate side, once again today, is going to be in effect. I'm Joe Nolan with traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Joe. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center, if you're heading out the door, to your train or your bus or your subway. Sunny day today or high 21, but we've got the coldest temperatures in three years here in the city. The wind chill between 0 and 10. A mostly clear overnight, the low down to 17. So certainly bundle up temperatures only in the high teens right now in the tri-state. So there's a possibility of a student walkout looming in New York City, and it's all over COVID-19 as we work our way to the Bernie and Sid in the Morning program. Sid in the house, he just came in the studio, plunked down his papers and his phone. So uh, this flyer is circulating on social media, and what it reads is that, quote, join your fellow students in a walkout to urge New York City to offer the necessary remote learning options and safety precautions as COVID cases rise, unquote. So this flyer and this post calling for students to ditch their classes around noontime tomorrow, Wednesday. Now, teachers union officials are pushing New York State to test all 900,000 students for the COVID-19 virus. Organizers are lobbying for teachers to provide all curricular materials online to allow for remote learning once again and to excuse any COVID-19-related absences. So 
absenteeism dropped, uh, dipped to 44 percent last Friday due to the snow and COVID-2. School officials say attendance has been running pretty much at 70 percent on average. Schools Chancellor David Banks has publicly said he expects absenteeism to ease, though, in the coming weeks. All right. 77 WABC time check uh, coming up on six o'clock. Bernie and Sid coming up at six. You don't want to miss it. Stay here to 77 WABC. Deb Valentine in with your early news. Be back with us tomorrow morning, five o'clock for the 77 WABC early news. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.